I am never going to preach a sermon. No one ever is going to take this stage and tell you that you must do things to receive the love of God. Are we clear on that? There is nothing that you can do that is ever going to add more to what Jesus did on the cross. There is never going to be a sermon preached from this stage that is rooted and based in performance-based religion, ever. So when we preach about going out and serving for the glory of God in Jesus' name so that your neighbor can get a little glimpse of heaven before they actually die, it is only because that's what Jesus' people do. I preach doing not out of performance, but out of being. Does that make sense? Let me just make sure. I preach, we will preach going out and doing, not so that you can perform, but so that you can be who Jesus designed you to be. Amen? Are we clear? Halfway? I'll take halfway right now. A quarter? I wish I had an auction in here. Auctioneer. He's speaking in tongues. No, I was just trying to be an auctioneer. Please don't go and tell my bosses that I'm speaking in tongues in here. Oh, gracious sakes. Y'all ready? Yeah? I want you to turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 13. Here's where we're going this morning. There's a couple options on the table. How the Lord is going to speak to you, guess what? It's not up to me. It's up to you, and it's up to God. Well, how do you mean it's up to me? Listen, you have a choice whether you hear or not. How many times have you ever heard God speak to you? Hey, literally, he told you, and he almost stopped you in your tracks. You know that God told you to blank, and you didn't do it. Raise your hand. I want to see your hand. Raise it high. Be proud of it. Go ahead and admit it. Yeah, listen, you guys fall into this trap. So we're hearing the voice of the Father. You guys just proved that. But you also proved to me that he allows us to have free will because he didn't make you do what he told you to do. He gave you the option. Amen? And we didn't do it. I do it. Listen, can I just tell you, I've done it this week. And so you have the power to choose to do what God says to us or not. What would it look like if we had a community, just let's just say a thousand people, who whenever God spoke to them, there was an immediate yes. You think this world will look a little different? I know it would. I know for a fact that the triad will look different if there were just a thousand people Not out of performance, not trying to earn more of God's love, not trying to earn our way to heaven. But if we moved, when God said to move, the triad would look different. And it wouldn't take a year. I think maybe just maybe a week of seeing people move and say yes. Literally, we would turn our car around because the Father showed us someone who needed not money, but they just needed the love of Jesus. We would do the U-turn. I think there's some of us, and listen, I would call in tomorrow and say, listen, boss, I'm not coming to work. 
I, I know that I got some stuff to do there, but I, I promise you, I'll probably make it up. I need to go over here and do what God has told me to do. She's given us the choice. So this morning, you have the choice to hear this or not. I pray and I hope that the Holy Spirit opens ears in this place this morning because I know there's somebody in this place that needs to know who they are. And that's the only question that I'm going to hang on this morning. I was going to try to tackle the what question. I'm not going to tackle the what question. We'll do that next week. But I think for this morning, the importance is who. Last week, we talked about why we do these things. Why love the triad? Why do we go out and serve? Why do we do what we do? I even pushed the question to the point. Why do you believe what you believe? Remember? And we answered the question last week. We said, why do we do what we do? Is it because somebody told us to? Is it because God said so? No, the why we do what we do is to bring God glory. And we go unashamedly in Jesus' name and we do it to see heaven invade this community. That's it. God glory in Jesus' name, heaven on earth. That's why we do it. So today I go to the question, who, and I was going to go to what, but let me just stick with who. And there's a two-part to this word, who. There's a two-part to this question, who. But we got to understand before we go any further that why and who can never be separated. The why... And the who can never be separated. And I think that's where a lot of us have gotten off, at least myself. I wrote this sentence down this week. I'm going to read it from my notes because it sort of doesn't make sense, but I'm going to read it and see if it makes sense to you. If why you do what you do has you as the who. Sounds like Dr. Seuss, doesn't it? That, that was God speaking to me. I told you, man, you get in here and I will mess you up. Holy Spirit, please. Right? If why you do what you do has you as the who, this is not a part of the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of you. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. And maybe I'm the only one in the room that is guilty, but I'm guilty. And then I was reading a friend's book uh, about a month ago, and I ran across this quote from George Otis Jr., and this quote is going to be on the screen as well. George Otis Jr. said this in my friend's book. He quoted him. He said, many people talk about promoting the kingdom, but what they really hope is that the Holy Spirit will promote them. Whoa! That's reality, man. I'm just going to let that one hang. So the question this morning is who? The first part of that question is God. Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. 
That's who. You see, that's why why and who can never be separate. I want to know. I wish I could just put something on somebody's brain. Those football players, these professional athletes. I haven't ever seen preachers do it really, but maybe I'll start. Finish up a decent message, just a decent one. Because, I mean, I don't ever get really to the good ones. Just a decent one. And I drop to one knee and I point to the sky. What does that really mean? Like, what is it they're really doing? Or how about sometimes we're out here and we're doing some really good deeds. Like, I wonder, like, who are we really doing that for? The who has to be God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. That's the first answer to who. So the question has two parts, I said. The second part of who is who are you? Who are you? And, And I cannot stand up here and tell you who you are. On my best day, I can give you God-inspired, encouraging words, but I cannot take you to the place where God is the one revealing who you are. And so here we go into Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. It says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went out and sold all he had and bought the field. Let me read you guys that from the Passion Translation. And then we'll see if we can unpack this of who we are. Matthew chapter 13, 44. And this is again the Passion Translation. It says, heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. A person discovered there was hidden treasure in a field. Upon finding it, the hidden treasure, he hid it again. Because of uncovering such treasure, he was overjoyed and sold all that he possessed to buy the entire field just so he could have the treasure. Now, there's two options that we could look at here this morning. The first option is the most popular one, and I'm not going there this morning. The first option that most scholars talk through and tear this apart in different languages, um, they go and they say that this man was willing to sell everything to remove everything out of his way to have Jesus. And that makes sense. That, well, that's, a good, good, that's a good sermon. Because I would go ahead and venture to say that there are probably some things in our life that is defining who we are that is really and truly restricting and holding us back from encountering the fullness of the person of Jesus in our life. 
Listen, if I preached that, that would be an acceptable sermon. Because most scholars say that's the most popular translation of what Jesus just said here in Matthew 13. But I want to look at it from a different angle this morning. Because I need you to not only know who God is, but I need you to know who you are. And the two go hand in hand. Because if you know in your human, powered by the Holy Spirit mind, we only can know a glimpse of who God is on this side of eternity. Scripture's pretty clear that his ways and thoughts are so much higher and grander than ours. So the Holy Spirit reveals to us who God is And once we know who he is, the Holy Spirit revealing us who God the Father is, it is out of that that you and I can know who we are. You see, you and I have been trying to figure out who we are outside of knowing God. And I want to just say it with all due respect. You know, you can say anything after you say with all due respect, right? With all due respect, the reason that many of us in this room today are where we are is because we're trying to find out who we are outside of knowing who God is. Let me just throw this question out there because I love to ask questions and never give you the answer because I trust that God is going to help you with the answer. Who is defining you? Who is telling you who you are? Who is telling you who you are? Let me go to a little deeper spiritual question. Who is telling you who God is? I hope to God that you're not requiring or asking me to be the only revelator of who God is for you. It's not going to happen. It's not what God's asked me to do. You remember when we prayed over these people here earlier in this service this morning? Can I tell you that there's probably trials and tribulations, heartaches and failures. There's probably even in a group of 15 people probably getting prayer. There's even sin that is probably represented in some of those lives. And can I tell you that God, the Father, is capable, if we are willing to use every single one of those things that came up here for prayer to reveal who God is. Did you know that God can even take our sin and reveal who he is because of something stupid that we've done? So who's telling you who you are? Even greater question on a much bigger scale is who is telling you who God is? Because out of knowing who God is flows who you are. So I read here, whether I choose the NIV or whether I choose the Passion Translation, I see a man here. The man that I want to just sort of go down the path for just a few moments this morning, the man that Jesus is talking about here is Jesus. It's him. It says, and let's just read it through that context. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Guess who the treasure is? 
Guess who the treasure is? I want you to stand up right now if you feel like a treasure. I want you to stand up right now if you feel like a treasure. You are the treasure. There's two people, three people standing up. See, and some of you are like, well, I'm in church. I bet you if Duke would have scored a basket, you'd have stood up. In Jesus' name, all this stuff that we've been afraid to do in church, done. You are a treasure. Every last one of you is the treasure. You're the treasure. I don't care if you feel like it or not. I don't care if you've not been living up to your name. You are the treasure. And so right now, if you know that you are the treasure, I want you to stand to your feet. You are the treasure. That is who you are. Whether you like it or not, whether you feel like it or not, you're the treasure. Now, I want you to turn to somebody and I want you to say, you are the treasure right now. You are the treasure. You are the treasure. You are the treasure. You're the treasure. Whether you know it or not, whether you've done something that doesn't look like a treasure or acted like a treasure or sounded like a treasure, that is who you are. And so what I want to say, I guess, if you feel like a treasure, you can sit down. (laughs) Maybe that's where I should have started. But listen, I want to just say, for the 43-year-olds and beyond, I know that teaching old dogs new tricks can be a difficult thing, but get over yourself because you are not the who. I need us moms and dads and grandparents who are getting on up there in age to start walking through this life like the treasure we are because dang it, I've got kids over there that I need them to know that they are treasures whether I know I'm a treasure or not. So what am I saying? Fake it, please. I need my teenagers to know that they're treasures. I need, I need my five-year-old and my 10-year-old who hardly ever act like treasures to know that they are treasures. And I'm just gonna go sort of, this is, I see, I, I, I pray that my, my, my 10-year-old son Lincoln gets the fifth, year, fifth grade teacher that's sitting right there because I know that you know that you're a treasure. And if you know that you know you're a treasure, you can teach my five or my 10-year-old fifth grader that he also is a treasure even when he doesn't act like he's a treasure. That's what we got. That's our calling. And so Jesus is the man who went and bought the field. Jesus is the man in this story that went and bought the field because he knew how valuable the treasure was. And I guarantee you, most people in this room, you know what Jesus did to go buy the treasure, don't you? Or to go buy the field. You know what he did. He gave his life. And that's what this man that he's talking about here, the kingdom of heaven is like you. 
It's like you, because you're the treasure that is hidden in the field. Listen, for some of you in this room who do not know that you are a treasure, it is time to come out of hiding. And I am sorry that you feel like you're not a treasure, and so your option is to go hide. It is time this morning, not tomorrow. It is time this morning. The Holy Spirit is positioned to run rampant in your life. He is waiting on you because you today are coming out of hiding. You're a treasure. And it says here that the kingdom of heaven is like you that is hidden in a field. And when Jesus found it, he, he went and he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went out and gave his life and he bought that field because you are that treasure. You are that valuable. You are that precious that Jesus went and gave everything he had for you. You see, Scott, how does this tie in to going out and serving and loving in the streets of our community? It's because every single one of you in this room have something very great and powerful to give away. Every single one of you. Every single one of you in this room because of the value that Jesus sees in you, every one of you have something powerful to give away. Everywhere you go, with every breath you take. For too long, we have just taken four to five to six days off as Jesus followers. For way too long, we've just said, hey, I'm going to be a Jesus follower today. This is what I do. And then we take four or five or six days off, I guess, to recuperate because the church service was so good. I don't know. But then we go oh, back in. You are so precious and valuable that as I look around this room and I see your faces, every single one of you have something very powerful to give away you are a treasure that's who you are so I don't want to go down this entire path this morning of what no I'm not even going there When I was um, called into this thing called ministry, which I'm trying to figure out, I went to school at UNC Charlotte for three and a half years until I found out that you actually had to go to class and I just didn't go down there to play golf, literally. And it was only by the grace of God that I was allowed to transfer out of there. Attended UNC Charlotte for three and a half years 
Almost two years later, I graduated from High Point University with a sports management degree. I guess I was going to be Jerry Maguire or something like that. I don't know. I was playing golf, and I thought I was always going to play golf for a living. And it was uh, five years at the very end of my golfing career that I was called into ministry. And again, I'm still trying to figure out what that is. And in 2004, when I had received this call to be a pastor, which I had no clue what to do next or anything, but I was guided by some really beautiful, smart, caring, loving men. And they said, Scott, you got to go back to school. Wait a minute. I barely snuck out of school the first time. You mean to tell me I've got to go back to school? Because I had to get ordained. I had to get, like, commissioned to do what I do. Basically, it's just a thing that I have, like, the, like a, a license to marry you. Not marry you as mean you're going to get married, but, like, to perform your wedding. And again, I am wrestling with this. I am not disrespecting this, but I am wrestling this. So I went back to school, something that I loathe, but now knowing that what God has called me to do, this was what I had to do next. And five years later, I completed all the classes that I needed to complete. And then there was this big service where my wife and I were called to the front And we got on our knees and some, I guess, important people laid hands on us and they commissioned us. And they said that now we are qualified to go and be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And please hear me, because I know this is going to go out and I may lose my job for this, but... I'm not disrespecting what happened. I am glad that I took those classes and some beautiful people believed in me. I am not disrespecting that. But what I am saying is that that is not the path of many people that are sitting in this room. Do you know what qualifies you? Do you know what commissions you? It is what Jesus Christ went and did for you. And so God is saying to every single person in this very room this morning, you are commissioned. You are commissioned. You are commissioned. You are qualified to go and do And bring glory to the Father, unashamed in Jesus' name, so that our community can get a little glimpse of heaven on earth. As I look across this place this morning, because of what Jesus did and who you are, I see a lot of ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to give up your day job. Mark, I need you to be the best fifth grade teacher that my 10-year-old could ever have. 
you are commissioned to go and do that. I see teachers all over this room. I see college students all over this room. You are commissioned because of Jesus Christ to go and to be. And I'll just say this. Us getting, us taking a hold of this, not just reading it out of this because that's what we've done forever. Us getting this is going to greatly impact the next generation coming down the chute. And if I'm going to be a plumber, then I am going to be a plumber to bring glory to God in Jesus' name because I can promise you something, the plumbing world needs to see heaven on earth. So every single one of you in this room, and this is not just something I'm trying to play on your emotions. I am not trying to hype up a Sunday morning. What I am trying to tell you is that you are somebody because of Jesus. You are a treasure and you are commissioned. So here it is. Here's the practicality to wrap this thing up. Because I hope you're asking yourself this question. Well, what do I do next? That's a great question. Next Sunday, we're going to tackle this. There's a passage in the book of Acts that talks about the ministry grew so big that the main guys, the ones that we hear about all the time, Peter, James, John, Thomas, all those guys, they were going all over the place. And what happened is there were some widows that were getting overlooked. These widows needed to be taken care of. So they got together and they said, hey, you know what we need? We need, we need a bunch of Holy Spirit-filled people that will go and serve these ladies and take care of the needs that are in our community. These weren't, these weren't the high-dollar guys. These weren't Peter, James, and John. This was not Peter, the dude who cut a dude's ear off. This wasn't John who wrote the entire book of Revelation. This wasn't Thomas, the one who was doubting. This wasn't those guys. But those guys came together and they said, we got to find some people who are filled with the Holy Spirit to take care of these needs of the community. And so what happened is they found a bunch of people who were filled with the Holy Spirit. And those people, listen to this, who were not even named, started doing whatever God, the Holy Spirit, told them to do. Whatever. So that's what we take away from this place this morning. That's the practical step from this place this morning. Hey, God, whatever you want me to do, right now would be a good time to pray that. Hey, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm listening. 
to bring God glory. In Jesus' name, heaven come. Something simple. We got a few of these up here in bowls here and a bowl over here. If you want to come grab one, you can't. You're not doing this in the name of Hope City. Love the triad. Just a simple little chip. Come get one or two. Just come get one or two if you want to take this. Because when I go and do what God tells me to do, in the South, what happens is people say, what church do you go to? How about this? It's what God and I just did. It's way bigger than any church. People want to know what's going on. I want you to give them one of these. Simple stuff. Simple stuff. Whatever God tells you. You just leave it there. You want to give a lady a tip that's three times what your actual bill was? Just leave this there. So these are here. You can come pick them up. I want you to go to Love the Triad because I need us to go. I need us to go be. I can promise you the triad needs heaven on earth. The website is simple to find. There's so many beautiful things going on. One of the cool things that we're doing on Wednesday as a staff, and listen, I didn't make this happen. I didn't lead this. Our production guy, our IT guy, he said, hey, you know what? I think we need to, as a staff, just partner with this. It's a thing called Feeding Lisa's Kids. Some of you know our dear friend, Lisa Hawley. She serves kids all across the triad and families. She does it just once a month. It's at 6.30 in the morning. Wesley Memorial, United Methodist Church. 6.30 in the morning. Box it up. And by 8 o'clock, you're on your way home, probably, or to work. Our staff will be there this Wednesday, 6.30. Come join us. Because you're going to go knock on a door, not representing feeding Lisa's kids, not representing Hope City. You're going to be there representing Jesus. And you'll be doing exactly what this website says. You'll be loving on the triad.